Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back. Alan Greenfield with us. We'll get to your calls as well as we talk about Hellier, the occult. It's a remarkable program, and I guess it lived for another season, and they've put it, uh, it's available for people to watch for free now, Alan. Yeah, they, um, the first season, I think, was, uh, was free as well if you waited for it to appear on YouTube. It, uh, there was a uh, delay and, uh, for, between the time it was on Amazon, but it was only like a two-week delay. These people are not in it for the money. They're in it because, like me, they love the work. Um, let me tell you one of the synchronicities that uh, I'm talking about that are part of this although only marginally discussed in the in Hellier 2, but I think it reflects what other people are now experiencing who've seen Hellier. Just the act of watching it is kind of a ritual. Um, <clears throat> on two separate uh, uh, investigators associated with them, and if I garble the story slightly, <clears throat> it's because... Uh, because I'm trying to remember it, and I was not the first person experiencer, but I believe it was Connor Randall who uh, decided that a mysterious number, uh, sequence of numbers that they received from this uh, uh, mystery person that they never found, uh, was a latitude and longitude. I looked at it uh, uh, on a later date, and I said, no, I think that's a... um, like a UPS number or, you know, a tracking number. And uh, indeed, it was a tracking number. But in any case, I believe it was Connor. He went to this location partly because it was very near Brown Mountain, the place famous for the lights, which I have investigated, and so have they. He was alone. He was out in the middle of the woods looking for the exact latitude and longitude. And what he found was... uh, a silver balloon that on one side said happy birthday. And he didn't think too much about that, but apparently uh, it was significant because a black Hmm. helicopter flew over. I mean, he was in the middle of nowhere. Black helicopter flew right over him and he didn't exactly panic, but he was uh, uh, freaked out by it, but he had the presence of mind to take the happy birthday balloon. In the meantime, a different investigator um, in a different part of the country altogether was out in the middle of nowhere and saw this shiny thing floating down. This is, you know, right at the same time, uh, within 24 hours, I would say. And what it was was a silver balloon with happy birthday on one side. Well, they told me this, you know, while on camera in the... during our interview, and I said, you really need to pay attention to that. You're getting a birthday present. It's, uh, it's important that you realize that something that is that coincidental is a synchronicity, not a, uh, not a mere coincidence, if there is any such well, thing. I don't believe in coincidences myself. Neither do I, but a lot of people do, so mm. I'm not going to call everything a synchronicity. I'm just going to say, I think that these are synchronicities. Anyway, they seemed to go on by that and were more anxious to talk about something else. So at some point, I don't remember exactly when, I think it was after the formal interview, but they were still rolling their uh, cameras, very professional people. I, um, I said, 
you really need to think more about the happy birthday thing because that was a gift. And if you don't realize the importance of it, something will get in your path. So as I was saying before the break, uh, they after they left me, within a couple of hours, they're on their way to another little weird town in, uh, in Kentucky, a uh, long way from here, but they were driving. You know, I give them enormous credit for the amount of miles they've put on doing this, this work. And there's a tree across the road which stops them. And they get out. Uh, Greg gets out, looks, looks at the tree, thinks about moving it, and then he notices a blue glow at the end of the tree that was, you know, over or at the top of the, of the tree, goes over to it, and it's a blue... Uh, uh, star balloon and we had been talking during the interview about Sirius and that, which is a blue star and the significance of, of uh, Sirius being a blue star and therefore not likely to have been inhabited uh, at least not as a home base because uh, uh, blue stars are relatively new Our stars go from uh, white to blue to red uh, to yellow to red, and then uh, they self-destruct at some point. But uh, point being that uh, it's much newer than than our star, although Sirius is a you know has been tagged as a uh, source for UFOs for a long right, time. Right, the Dogon uh, tribe, right? Right. Well, the Sirius mystery that Robert Temple wrote, which is an extremely literate book about. Yeah, the, the Dogon and other tribes in the same area, interestingly enough. Uh, I don't know what their status is right now because the, the, the Islamist jihad of that area uh, basically disrupted life uh, in, in that area, including Timbuktu, and you don't get any more remote than that. That used to be a synonym for remote uh, from here to Timbuktu. Um, uh, but be that as it may, I assume that they're still there and they still, you know, talk about their visitors from Sirius and they still have knowledge of the twin star, which you cannot see with the naked eye. That's right. So it's, which, it's, uh, which, which was bizarre because the Dogon tribe knew about it. The Dogon and, uh, the, uh, uh, Bambara tribe also has the same story. They're the Next tribe over, and I think there may be a third group as well. Uh, they're not as well known, but the point is there's no possible way that they could have known about this unless it had been uh, information from an ancient, you know, very advanced civilization. Past, past or indeed, they were visited by beings who said they were from Syria. That's right. It, my it my argument that. was that... Well, Sirius couldn't be a source, but it doesn't mean that it couldn't be a base, you know. So we had discussed that at some length, and I, uh, anyway, so um, they got the balloon, and it was a blue star balloon, and they immediately thought of the conversation we'd had when I said, oh, something will be thrown in your path, and you should take the balloon seriously. And everybody in their car, I mean, it's not acting. They were really saying, you know, Greenfield was driving us crazy with this balloon business. And what they didn't know at the time, they may not even know it now, but they'll know it now. Um, my other publisher uh, is Blue Star Press. 
And, I mean, there's no way I could have set this up. You know, I'm sitting here in the Jewish Tower, and I'm 73, and uh, I ride my bicycle every day and consider that to be my exercise. There's no way I could Kentucky and knock down a tree and, you know, and and, uh, plan a a blue balloon. But the fact is that Blue Star Press uh, published uh, uh, God Never Does the Same Thing Twice, which is my other current book. And... uh, um, that the other balloons basically were a message saying, this is a gift, you better take it seriously. So they are way down the rabbit hole. And everybody that I know that I've talked to about this is having synchronicity experiences comparable to that. Constantly. Now, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, um, I, I used to know an occultist, uh, well, I still know her, I guess, uh, named Amidali, uh, um, a um, uh, dancer in England and a uh, ceremonial magician and a Gnostic bishop, among various other things. And her deal is she does ritual as dance. And she says, and I've seen her do it, that people who watch her dance become part of the ritual that she's doing. Hard to explain, except that's the way it is. And if you experience it, you, you know that you know, that, that that's for real. Similarly, the, the hellier thing is a ritual, which I, you know, have said to them, you are doing a ritual. And apparently this ritual is contagious <laughs> uh, because uh, uh, people that have watched it and been fascinated by it uh, also have uh, uh, been having synchronicity experiences. And this is I guess it would be a frustration originally, but back when I first discovered the cipher was applicable to UFO and paranormal events, I thought, wow, people will work with this and will have the one missing piece of the puzzle that the paranormal, at least in field research, has lacked, which is science insists that you have to have reproducibility. And of course, field research in anything reproducing a situation. You know, if you want to reproduce the uh, Normandy invasion on D-Day, you can't. Uh, You can reenact it, but you can't reproduce it because it's a one-time special event. And uh, uh, these are on a smaller scale, but some of them are pretty spooky. And uh, I have, uh, you know, I get calls from some of these people, and uh, a few of them have, you know... uh, uh, sent me emails saying, wow, you'll never guess what happened. Well, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's all a matter of people who've taken not the red pill, but the green pill and gone down the rabbit hole. So I think that they are actively doing magic ritual, which is being guided by something or someone. And, uh, that's that's where it stands. It has had the byproduct that because it features the the, the cipher and uh, the interview with Terry and so forth, it also has you know catapulted my uh, sales of my uh, uh, complete secret cipher book um, to a height that I never dreamed that it would get. And the thing that I wanted the book to accomplish, I didn't care whether it made any money or not. Well, that's a lie. I cared, but that was not my primary concern. My primary concern was people will work with this and be able to predict paranormal events. They didn't, 
but after Hellier, now people are doing now that they, and now getting they results. Yep. It's just amazing. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.